Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, it's Andy Bueller, statewide high school sports reporter and host of the Scorebook Live Today podcast. The coronavirus has shut down schools and halted high school sports, so we're going to take things up a notch here at Scorebook Live. Each day our own Dan Dickow is going to have on a new guest to this very podcast as a part of a special podcast series in addition to our weekly episode tackling the top stories across the state. The best way to keep up with that and what we do is head to scorebooklive.com slash Washington, your home for Washington High School sports coverage, and subscribe to this podcast for free. Head to wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or a couple examples Look up Scorebook Life today, hit subscribe, and while you're there, leave us a rating, a comment. It really helps us do what we do. Washington Federal is a bank based in Seattle that operates 235 branches, and it cares deeply about high school sports not only in the Seattle metro area, but across the entire state of Washington. Head to WashingtonFederal.com to learn more or visit your closest branch. Scorebook Live Washington with our daily podcast interview, this time joined by Coach Ed Haskins. Uh, many of you on the west side will know him from being uh, an assistant coach at Rainier Beach for a number of years before he guided Garfield um, to some incredible success. Uh, people on the east side might know him for a couple years stint as an assistant coach at Washington State. Um, very well respected, very well known basketball coach here in the state. Ed, thanks for joining us. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Thanks for having me. Absolutely, without a doubt. So you've got um, you know some interesting kind of uh, touch points along your your basketball path, your basketball career. Uh, you grew up in Tacoma, but as most people know, kind of Tacoma Seattle blends together, um, you know, to produce a lot of really good basketball players and a lot of really good basketball coaches. Can you share a little bit about your youth, your upbringing, and, and what made you want to become a coach as you got older? Uh, I wasn't that good at play. <laughs> 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 I wasn't the best. Um, I was like you. Uh, but I think ultimately it was my love for the game, and I just didn't want to be you know, I didn't want to hear when I was going to play in college or, you know, whatever the case may be. Um, but growing up, I mean, my first um, exposure to basketball was my family. Uh, I had four brothers. Uh, three of the four uh, were pretty good. Um, my oldest brother, some people know, played at Washington State, got drafted uh, to the league the whole nine. Uh, ended up going overseas uh, back in the three years, almost just bloopers. Uh, so, <laughs> ended up doing that. But, you know, watching him, uh, and then my first real coaching influence was watching Coach George Ravelry. And when George Ravelry uh, talked to us and came to our house, my brother really kind of became part of our family. It was like, man, that, that guy is doing it. You know, at the time, I mean, he was probably in his, you know, mid early 40s, something like that. So that was my, that was my, like my first real 
It's, uh, it's always interesting to, to listen to different coaches' path of how they really kind of got into it. Um, you mentioned some middle school coaching. A lot of guys start, you know, uh, at in the AAU scene, um, and they just build and develop their network of coaches and, uh, and their, their relationships within the industry until something uh, makes sense for both sides. Um, you mentioned... You mentioned two names that I think, uh, now, from an outsider perspective, I have a tremendous amount of respect for, um, but you have seen them in different ways, at different levels. So, first, Mike Bethea, uh, he's done a tremendous job at Rainier Beach, um, leading young men and leading a tremendous program. Um, What's the biggest takeaway that you learned from him? Oh, man. I think the biggest thing that I took away from Coach was just simply that you go out here and everything you have. You know, people see Coach and he's pretty demonstrative. You know, he's kind of like a, a Calipari. He's kind of, you know, so much. He's very demonstrative on the sideline. You know, does a lot of yelling, does a lot of whatever to, to guys. But I'm telling you, man, the guys love him. You know, you can see that by going on Instagram, Twitter, or whatever. And really created a culture down there of, you know, that's home. You can always come back. So all the pros that he's coached, all the college guys that he's coached, which is incredible, uh, they all come back. They all come back when they know that you're a good open run, when they you know they come talk to the guys, they give back the whole line. And I saw that there for, I was there for nine years. And, you know, I think, you know, for me, that was one of the things that, you know, that he taught me was just a really love the kids and not just you know your, your players and, and not just the players but the whole school and, and that's that's one thing that I really try to take with me to here um, but he, he was just incredible uh, he just related really well um, to to the guys and you know what have you so uh, he was definitely a players coach I would say and at the college level, you mentioned being able to uh, meet George Raveling and listen to him speak when he was on a home visit um, with with your brother. Um, was there any particular thing that stood out to George Raveling? I've had a few interactions with him over the years. I've found him to be a, a tremendous 
person, but also obviously he was a great coach. Was there anything that stood out to you about him um, and his message or his approach to, to recruiting your brother? His passion just exuded through with everything that he said. You know, I mean, he was, he was interacting with us. I was probably seven, eight years old at the time. And, I mean, he was, you know, down there wrestling with us and, you know, just playing with us. And, you know, obviously, you know, I mean, as a college recruiter, you want to do everything you can to make, you know, certainly feel good and comfortable with you that they'll take care of your son or your brother or whatever the case may be. And, I mean, for him, with him, you know, and this was obviously I was very young. I think kids have better intuition than adults sometimes. And I just felt like it was very genuine. I think I felt like everything that he did uh, with my family, and it was genuine. And what I loved about it, you know, at the end of those five years, my brother was a red shirt, at the end of those five years um, that my brother was there, he had done what he said he was going to do. He walked away with a degree, you know, he walked away being very successful, playing the time he used to play two players, him and Clay Thompson, that actually played in the NCAA tournament twice. That's uh, some really phenomenal pieces that, that people can take out of uh, characteristics of both those coaches uh, as well as, as Jamal. Um, you know, Jamal's been, uh, I've known him since high school when I was at University of Washington, and you, you make the comment there. I see a lot of those uh, traits now thinking back at the conversations I've had with Jamal, so that's very impressive. You, you learn from a number of coaches and any coach wants their opportunity to run their own program at whatever level it is. You finally get your opportunity at Garfield. You probably have some, some thoughts that you took from Coach Bethea, some other thoughts from different coaches that you, you, you learned from along the way. How do you implement the culture that is yours into a program when you take it over? Well, there's a saying in coaching now, all the best coaches that balls do. <laughs> so, so I, I think that for me, um, when you're when you're sitting next to uh, a guy like Coach Bayer, um, I actually had a chance one year to sit next to Frank, now Obey Coach uh, Jason Kerr. Uh, we were at Franklin together for a year, um, and when you sit next to guys like that that are winners, that know how to win, that know how to build it, that own field the programs that were phenomenal. You know, I think that or that are phenomenal, you know, and uh, still are phenomenal. I think that you what you do, you know, what I try to do is just put um, my own personality on Garfield when when I did that because I can't be, you know, like say I can't be Jason Kerr, I can't be Coach Rad, you know, I can't be anybody else but me. And so I just try to let whatever changes naturally to me in certain situations um, just 
kind of slow. And, you know, obviously, and I can't, let me say this to make it very clear, obviously Gosselin has an incredibly rich history, you know, of, of basketball. Uh, it didn't start with me, but definitely, obviously, they won a couple championships since I've been gone with Brandon, you know, didn't end with me, which is great. I think you always, uh, whenever you get a program, you want to leave it better than what you found and hopefully I did that at Gulfstream. Uh, not just as head coach, but as athletic director there as well. Um, but, I, but I think that ultimately, you know, for me, the trade's like just doing what it takes to win, um, doing what it takes to teach young men how to become men, um, doing what it takes, you know, every day, you know, the things that nobody sees, you know, whether it be doing laundry, whether it be, you know, sweeping the floor, you know, whether it be going to their parents' house and talking to them, or, you know, other things that we have to do that nobody sees. And a little, I'm just being honest with you, you know, it's a year-round job, and in Seattle Public Schools, head coaches get about five men, you know, for the season. You know what I mean? And that's all you around, you know, and there's no question about that. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it, it has to be a calling. It's almost like I could never be an official. I don't know about you, Dan, but I could never be an official. I could never be some great advice given to you there and thanks for sharing it with uh, any coaches or parents or athletes that are listening to this podcast you spent a year a couple years excuse me in Pullman as an assistant coach at Washington State you were back in the Seattle area now you didn't coach this year do you see coaching in your future and if so um, what do you hope to take from your Washington State experience into your next head coaching position Uh, for a few reasons, but, but one of the main reasons was I got to work under a guy like him, 
I got to, uh, you know, see some things that I had never seen before, be exposed to some things that I never been exposed to before at the highest level called basketball. So, uh, it was a great, great situation. I, I'm actually, uh, we're actually getting ready to, uh, the family and I are getting ready to, to head on down to LA and, uh, and do some different things down there. But we hope, uh, we definitely hope that coaching is in our future. Uh, we love it. some great words there um one last question before i let you go um then this is i'm sure going to be a really tough one because there's a lot of directions you can go with this answer best player you've ever seen come out of the seattle area (laughs) okay i I actually um somebody on say best player at the high school level um so yeah, it's a tough uh, one <laughs> yeah i would say if i could do a couple i would do a couple it, it just I, I would say one of the best players is two players 
there's a lot of good luck to And with the players at Atlanta Beach, um, I would also say Tony Roden, um, who was very, very dominant um, at Garfield. And then I would also say Doug Wren. Um, that's kind of when I came on the scene. I, I saw obviously people earlier because I just come up all the time. But um, those four guys, and then obviously, you know, you have to put up with Jamal. Was, nobody has seen anything like Jamal before. You know, he did stuff in high school. Actually, I remember playing looking against him in the program, the Douglas program, and the summer before his senior year. And it was just like he was just, he was almost a man amongst men. Sure. <laughs> so he was playing his poems. And, you know, he was 16, 17 years old. Uh, so nobody has seen anything like, like Jamal. Uh, obviously, all those guys that I've dismissed here, uh, I was like, Tony, you know, were, uh, were state champions, took their team state championships. And I, I don't blame it on It's, uh, it's very hard to pick out one or even two players. So I like the list. Uh, you, pick, you put a number of good guys uh, that have been mentioned by others when I posed the same question. So, Coach, we appreciate you joining. Uh, we look forward to uh, having you back on the sideline again at some point when the time's right for you and your family. And uh, thanks for, for being a, a big supporter of Scorebook Live. Absolutely, man. Yeah, thank you, and congrats on so much success with Scorebook Live. All right. Thanks, Coach. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.